again this week. Fathers, Ephesians chapter 6. If you all want to go ahead and flip over there this morning, Ephesians chapter 6. This is a continuation of the discussion that we began last week. I was planning on doing this verse, this one verse in two sermons. I'm hoping to finish it out today. There's a chance I might not even get it done today. So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verse 5 today as we continue our discussion of what the Scripture requires of fathers in the Christian household. We're in this part of Ephesians where we're discussing the household code. And remember it began back in Ephesians 18 where he commands them to not get drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And underneath of that is this idea of submission. And underneath of that is this idea of the order in the Christian household, that Christian homes ought to be structured and function in a certain way. And so we've talked about husbands and wives. We've talked about children obeying their parents. And today we're in the second part of talking to fathers about their responsibilities to their children. And you remember last week we talked about what the Apostle Paul has Two commands in Ephesians chapter 5. The first is, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The second is, but raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And if you remember last week, we talked about the command for fathers not to provoke their children to anger. And we talked about how Paul addresses fathers here in particular because he's addressing them as the head of their family, but that this instruction also underneath of the father applies to the mother. And so these instructions are for Christian parents in general and for fathers in particular. And so last week we talked about not provoking your children to anger. This is what Christian parents are not to do. We are not to provoke our children to anger. Today we talk about what Christian parents are to do. We are to raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I have Four or three points this morning. The first one is about the task of Christian parenthood. The second is about the tools for Christian parenthood. And then the third is about the target of Christian parenthood. So those are my three points that I'll be sharing with you this morning from the second part of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 together, and then we'll dive in and spend some time looking at this passage. So if you want to stand together, We'll read it together, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father God, we give praise to you for this time that you've given us to study your word. And we give praise to you that you have given us on this Lord's Day the proclamation of your word as a means of grace that you use by the power of your Holy Spirit to conform your people into the image of your Son. The scripture teaches over and over again that you use the proclamation of your word as a sanctifying power unto your people. And we pray today, God, that it would be sanctifying for your church. We pray, God, that you would help us to desire to have Christian homes here at Harmony Baptist Church that are not structured in the way that's most convenient for us, not structured in the way that the world would have us to structure them, but structured under the authority of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the order laid out in the Word of God. And that our desires would be to bring honor and glory and praise to your name. Teach us this text now in the power of your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, yesterday we had to replace a chair at our house. I had to get a new chair in my office. My old one broke. And the one that I was using was made for somebody that's about half my size. And so we had to replace it. So I went to the store and found the cheapest one I could find that would work. And and we replaced it. It came with one of these. You guys know what one of these are? You know what this is? This is instructions. And you know, if if you're one of those people who puts a lot of things together, you know that you either love or hate the person that made these. Because either it was made by somebody who understands the way the common brain thinks, Or it was made by some engineer from NASA 
who doesn't think like a normal human being, and you look at you're looking at the instructions and you're turning them sideways and trying to figure out how do I make this thing work? How many of you guys ever try to put something together that way before? I know, like, what's the name of that place where you buy furniture and you have to put it together? Ikea. To me, that's like the dumbest idea in the history of the world. I hate putting stuff together. And I'd rather just build it myself than have somebody else build it and then try to tell me how to put it together. Now, my wife is very good at these things. She's good at understanding what the instructions mean. I'm not. But this one that we had for the chair was actually fairly good, and it, it went together pretty much without a hitch. We, we had one little problem, but you know, you always have at least one little problem when you're putting things together. You just go into it expecting that. We had one little problem, but we, we pretty much got the chair together. And one of the reasons that we were able to so easily get the chair together is because the instruction manual was a good instruction manual. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but when I was uh, first becoming a dad, 20 years ago now, 19 years ago. One of the things that people always told me when I was first becoming a dad is, you know, the thing about kids is they don't come with an instruction manual. How many of you guys ever heard that before? They don't come with an instruction manual. And there is some extent that that's true because in a certain way, every kid is unique, right? They have their own issues. They have their own health problems. They have their own personalities. They're, they're unique. And so there's a certain sense in which that is true, but there's a sense in which as Christians, we actually believe that that's not true. We do have an instruction manual about the upbringing of children. We do have a word about the way that we are to and are not to go about raising children. There are some things that, as Christians, that are not just left up to every family to decide for themselves. There are some things that are commanded by God, and those commands must be obeyed. Amen? We do have an instruction manual. Because just like when we bought that chair, there was an instruction manual that came from the creator of that chair about how to put that chair together and about how that chair ought to operate. So children who have been created by God have come with a certain set of instructions about how to raise them and about how they operate. And those instructions are found here in the word of God. And they don't come from our own experience. They don't come from our own understanding. They don't come from our own wisdom. They don't come from the wisdom of the world. They come from the very word of God, who is the creator of children, and who is the one that designed the parent-child relationship. And as Christians, we want to see to it that our homes are governed according to what the scripture teaches. Amen? Well, that was very weak. Let's try again. Amen? We don't want to do it our way. We want to do it God's way, right? Now, maybe you're hesitant to answer that in the affirmative this morning because maybe you do want to do it your way. And if you're trying to do it your way, I would just say to you this morning, repent because your way is a way that ends in destruction. And God's way is perfect and upright and just right every time. And so today we talk about the instruction manual. What is it that God commands us as parents to do with regard to the upbringing of our children? What has the designer told us that it ought to look like to raise these little people up into adults that honor and serve God? And I told you I have three points this morning. They all come from this one verse, Ephesians chapter 4, the second half. And it is... Bring them up. This is what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to bring them up. Number one, that's the verb there. Bring them up. That's the command. You're commanded to bring your children up. And so I want to begin with this. What is the task of Christian fatherhood or the task of Christian parenthood? And the task is to bring your children up. Your children, beloved, need to be raised. Your children need to be raised. They can't raise themselves and you can't just let them grow up any old way that they want to grow up. They need, your children need an upbringing. And the scripture teaches that your children need a Christian upbringing. Right? Amen? We don't bring our children up the same way the world brings their children up, do we? No, we bring our children up according to the teaching of the word of God. The task of Christian parenthood is the upbringing of your children. Your children need to be raised. And this, even this idea where it says here, bring your children up, even that flies in the face of everything that the world teaches. We live in a world today in which 
schools and teachers and psychologists and so forth, not everywhere, but prominently in the world today, teach us that your children should so be able to do whatever they just want to do that they can even decide what their own gender is. And this runs in the face of what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches that there is a right and there is a wrong and that there is a certain way that children are to be raised and they need to be raised up in that way. They need an upbringing. Your children need to be taught that there are certain things that are wrong and there are certain things that are right. They need to be taught that there are certain ways that you behave and certain ways that you don't behave. They need to be taught that there is truth and error. They need to be taught that there is good and evil in the world. Your children need an upbringing. And I'm going to share with you really quickly here five things that are involved in raising your children as a Christian. What does it mean to raise your children as a Christian? Number one, the first thing that it means, and this is implied in the Greek word here, the first thing it means to raise your children is that they have needs that need to be provided for. They have needs that need to be provided for. And this is particular regards to you fathers. Your children have needs that need to be provided for. One of the reasons that God has given you to your children as their father is so that you can see to it that their physical needs are provided for. Part of raising up children is providing for physical needs. Whose job is it to provide for the physical needs of your children? It's not the state's job. It's your job. One of the biggest problems in the world today, as it exists even in many Christian homes, is that we often abandon to the state, which is actually the job of the home. It is not the state's job to provide for the physical needs of your children. It is your job to provide for the physical needs of your children. You are to see to it that they have clothes. You are to see to it that they have food. You are to see to it that they have a, an environment and a context in which they can grow up having been fed and nourished with a roof over their head in an environment that is conducive to them growing up to be a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing it means to raise up your children is that they have needs that need provided for. The second thing it means to raise up children or to bring up children is that you must be mindful that they have hearts that need protected. They have needs that need to be provided for, and they have hearts that need to be protected. They have hearts that need to be protected. Little children ought to be raised up in an environment in which they can be innocent and oblivious to the evil that's in the world. And part of the way that you do that is you provide a covering over them, and you protect their heart from that evil that's out there in the world. Fathers are protectors. Mothers are protectors. They're nurturing protectors. And part of our job as parents is to protect the hearts of our children. This means we have to be careful about the things that we allow them to be exposed to that are out there in the world. The ideas that are out there in the world. The sin that's out there in the world. The ugliness that's out there in the world. Children need to be protected from these things, especially when we're talking about young children. They need to be protected. Their hearts need to be protected. We live in a culture in which children, the hearts of children, are being swayed at a breakneck pace. They're being swayed at a very young age. Sesame Street and, you know, I mean, fill in the blank with Disney Plus, fill in the blank with whatever the network is that you want to choose. They have a worldview they're trying to teach your children. And if you don't understand as a parent, as a Christian parent, that what you're trying to teach your children is at odds with what Disney Plus is trying to teach your children, you don't understand what's happening in the world today. Movies, TV shows. And I'm not saying you shouldn't allow your children to watch movies or TV shows, but you should understand that there's a worldview that's being taught. And you should understand if you're going to let your children be exposed to those things, it's your responsibility to see to it. They understand there's a worldview being taught here and what's wrong with that worldview. Their hearts need to be protected. Number three, children have energy that needs to be directed. Part of bringing up, part of bringing up children is directing their energy in a certain direction. Not every way that a child wants to spend their energy is good, healthy, or useful for them. Right? Not every way that a child wants to spend their energy is good, healthy. Not every use of their energy is a good use of their energy. Children, when they're young, they have lots of energy. They have lots of excitement. They have lots of things that they want to do. And they want to run from this thing to that thing and the other thing and so forth. And some of those things are okay. 
but some of them are not. There are some ways that your children desire to spend their energy that are not good for them. And it is your job to protect them from spending. In other words, let me say it this way. Here's a simpler way to say it. Parents, learn the word no and use it often. There are many times your children want to do things, they want to be involved in things, and those things are simply not good for your children. And as a parent, you have to be discerning about what the good and the bad things are, and you have to learn to tell your children, no, you can't do that. That's not good for you. When, when they're little, this is easy. When they want to stick their finger in a light socket, we all know that's not good. That's bad. No, you're not allowed to do that. Right? They want to put something in their mouth. You know what they're going to choke on? No, you can't do that. You want to mutilate yourself and cut your genitals off because you think you're a different gender? No, you're not allowed to do that. You want to determine what your own identity is? No, you don't get to decide your identity. If you're living in my house, I get to decide what your identity is. And it's going to be governed according to what the Word of God says. Children have energy, and that energy is a good thing. God has given you young children. God has given you energy, and that energy is a good thing. But it must be directed and used properly. And if you, a lot of times you talk to high schoolers, they say, oh, I don't have any energy. And you say, what? Just wait. <laughs> right? They have energy, but that energy needs to be directed. And part of, the, part of directing their energy is understanding they also have a certain amount of time and the way that they spend their energy in that time needs to be directed. Young, young people, in particular high schoolers, middle schoolers and high schoolers, have a propensity toward wasting time. The Bible calls this laziness. They have a propensity toward just one, hey boy, hey, look up here. You keep your eyes open when I'm talking to you, okay? We don't sleep in church. We have energy that needs to be directed, right? Energy needs directed. And they need to, they want to spend a lot of time playing video games or spend a lot of time doing this thing, that thing, or the other thing. Playing video games, sleeping till noon, laziness. Young children that are middle school, high school age, their energy needs to be directed. Okay? You have to show them what they should spend their time on, how they should behave with that energy. Number three, or number four. Their interests need to be cultivated into kingdom exploits. How many of you guys, okay, who hears in the, between the ages of 10 and 18? Okay, raise your hand if you're between the ages of 10 and 18. All right, good. How many of you guys that are between the ages of 10 and 18, you got some things that you're interested in? Huh? Got some things you're interested in? You like to read certain books, you like to watch certain movies, you like to play certain games, you like to do certain things. Parents, some of those interests are good things that should be cultivated. Yes, do that. They want to build something, young men, they want to build something. Yes, cultivate that. Provide them with what they need to build that. Give them the tools they need. Help buy the lumber they need. Teach them to be builders, right? Your, your daughters want to learn to sew or they want to learn to cook. Like cultivate that, build that. If they want to sit around and play video games all day though, don't cultivate that. That's bad. Don't do that. That's a waste of your time. That's a waste of your energy. You're not allowed to do that. You want to sit around and stare at your phone doing this all day? No. You may have an interest in that video game, but that is not a good thing to invest your life into. You may have an interest in that game that you want to play, but that is not a good thing to invest your life into. You might have an interest in a certain set of novels, but if that story is not a story that's helped leading you into your walk with Christ, that is not a good thing for you to invest your time into. The, the, the interest of your children need to be cultivated. Your children have natural interests, parents, and some of those interests are good and some of them are bad. And what you want to do is you want to feed the good ones and starve the bad ones. And you want to cultivate those interests into what I just called here kingdom exploits. In other words, you want to raise your boys to kill dragons out there in the world. You want to teach your boys to go out there in the world and kill dragons. That means you need to give them the tools that they need to kill dragons, right? You want to raise your daughters to be helpers. You need to put the tools in their hands that they need in order to be good helpers, right? 
You need to cultivate their interest in the kingdom exploits. How can they use this thing that they're interested in to provide for a need? How can they use it to produce an income? How can they use it to build a, a thing that they can leave? How can they use these interests that they have to, for the sake of advancing the kingdom of God? We need to teach our children to think this way from a young age because, like I said, the propensity of children is toward laziness, toward disorderliness, toward wanting to rest all the time. The Bible says toward foolishness and folly, and we must redirect that propensity and, and use their interests for the sake of building the kingdom of God. And then look at the last thing it says here. I want you to notice, I'm going to come back to this phrase over and over and over again here, but look at what it says in verse 4 here. It says, discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to talk about discipline and instruction in a minute here. But the aim of Christian parenthood is to raise children that worship Jesus. That's the aim of Christian parenthood. The aim of Christian parenthood is to raise your children to be worshipers of Jesus. And this is very different than what we're taught to aim for as, um, in, as parents in the world today. We're taught today that the thing that you want your, parent, your children to do is what well, used to be you want them to become good, productive members of society, right? They pay their taxes, they work a job, and so forth. That's one aim. Of course, that's kind of going by the wayside now. And now the thing is, well, you want your children to grow into whatever it is they want to grow into and pursue whatever it is that they want to pursue. And that's not a godly way to think about parenthood. Say, I don't know if I want my children to be followers of Jesus or not. I want them to make that decision for themselves. I don't want my children to just decide whatever they want to do with their spiritual well-being. You want your children to potentially spend eternity in hell? No. I want to teach my children to be followers of Christ. We worship Jesus in this household. And if you want to choose not to worship Jesus, it's going to be a very uncomfortable place for you to be. This is what we do. We worship Jesus here. The goal is to raise your children, to disciple your children up in order that they might grow up to become followers of Christ. Will some rebel? Yes, some will rebel. Will some not obey? Will, they, will you raise, maybe potentially raise a child, even though you raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, that they rebel against God and they don't become believers? Yes, but that shouldn't be because you didn't make every effort to teach them the gospel. And to call them to repent and believe. In our house, we teach our children law and gospel all the time. This is the law of God. You break the law of God. You receive the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the gospel. There's forgiveness and eternal life in Christ if you turn from your sins and put your trust in him. So your children need to be directed. All of these things that we're talking about, their needs need to be provided for. Their hearts need to be protected. Their energy needs to be directed. Their interests need to be cultivated into kingdom exploits. All of this needs to be directed unto the Lord. You don't want your children just to be good, productive members of society and then go to hell when they die. You want them to learn to honor and serve and worship the Lord. Right? You want their productivity in society to be kingdom productivity in society. Not just good for the building up of their own wealth and their own resources, but for the good of the expansion of the kingdom of God. This is what kingdom-minded parenting is all about. So you need to bring your children up. That's number one. The task of Christian fatherhood and Christian parenthood is to bring your children up. Now the next question is, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do I bring my children up in the discipline? Or how do I bring my children up to be worshipers of God? How do I give them a good upbringing that is directed unto the Lord? And this is where we're going to talk about the tools of Christian fatherhood. So point number two is the tools of Christian fatherhood or the tools of Christian parenthood. He gives us here two tools that parents use to bring up their children in the Christian household. I remember when I was a kid, when I was young, my dad, at this stage of life that he's in right now, is very good at fixing things. Okay, he he works in a um, he works in a uh, storage facility. He manages a storage facility, and so if you've ever been in a storage facility, you know there's lots of garage doors and different things like that that get broken, lights and so forth. And my dad is known to be the kind of guy that can fix a thing with like bubble gum and paper clips. Okay, that's the way he is now. But he wasn't that way when I was a kid. He had to learn to be that way. And so I remember when I was a kid, my dad, first of all, didn't have me around when he was fixing things because he had a temper. 
And nothing, when you're trying to fix things, you guys know, when you're trying to fix things, nothing ever goes the way that it's supposed to go, right? And one of the things with my dad, before he actually, when he was learning how to fix things, I was little, maybe eight or nine years old. One of the things I remember is that my dad would go to fix something. There was a process of fixing a thing, and that's determining for, okay, here's how men do it. You determine what the problem is, and you think in your mind, oh, that that'll be easy to fix. And that's always a lie, right? Say, oh, this is the problem. Oh, that's an easy fix. And then you start to get into it before you really learn what you're doing. And you think, oh, well, I got what I need. You get into it. And then what do you do 15, 20 minutes into it? What do you discover? Oh, wait a minute. I don't have the tools that I need to do this job. So then what do you have to do? Uh, now you got to go to the hardware store and get the tools that you need to do the job. But if you've never actually done the job before, guess what happens? You go to the hardware store and you get the tools you need. But it turns out the first time that those aren't the actual tools that you need. So then you have to get into the job a little bit more to discover that the tools you have are not actually the tools you need. And then what do you have to do? You gotta go back to the hardware store again. And get the, then you get the tools you need, and then you're two thirds of the way through the job, and guess what, you find out then. Oh, now, not, I had the tools that I needed, I finally got those, but now there's more tools that I need. So now I gotta go to the hardware store again. And I, I remember watching my dad work through this process as a nine year old boy thinking, why is dad always such a bad mood all the time when he's trying to fix stuff? But now as an adult, I understand. It's irritating running back and forth to the hardware store, especially when your wife is sitting back laughing at you, right? Because it's a joke that you're running back and forth to the hardware store, right? You don't have the tools that you need. Well, one of the reasons that Christian men have a hard time with fatherhood is because they haven't actually been given the tools that they need to be good godly fathers. But the tools are right here in the Word of God. They're right here. One of the biggest struggles, that even that, and that's not just fathers, that's parents. One of the struggles that Christian parents have is they, they think that there's no pathway, right? When I was a kid, we, we played Mario Brothers. How many guys, anybody here ever played Mario Brothers? You remember the way Mario Brothers works? The, you can only go right on Mario Brothers. You can't go left. You can only go right. And there's a path that you follow when you're playing Mario Brothers, and you can't get off the path, Right? Video games aren't like that today. The video games today, you can go anywhere and do anything that you want to do. Personally, I find that idea to be boring. In Mario Brothers, there's a thing you're trying to accomplish, and you're on the path trying to pursue that path so you can accomplish. This is the way Christian fatherhood is. There is a path. There's a path that God has laid out called, this is the path of godly fatherhood. This is the path of godly parenting. Are there things that come up on the path that are unexpected? Sure. Are there things you have to deal with sometimes that aren't clearly laid out in Scripture? They're not black and white, they're gray? Sure, but at least you're on the path. There's a path. And in this path, there are certain tools that you use to raise your children the way that God has called you to raise your children. Okay? All right, so let's talk about those two tools. They're both here in the passage. Raise your children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. And the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The two tools that, it, that the text gives us here to raise our children are discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. What is discipline? The first one is discipline. What is discipline? The word discipline, if you have a King James Bible, you got the old King James Bible here, it uses the word nurture. And in our culture today, you say, okay, you got nurture, you got discipline. Those things seem to be opposites of one another. But actually, they're not. Biblically, they're the same thing. Nurturing, part of nurturing your children is disciplining them. What is discipline? Discipline, in this particular context, discipline is to train your child through correction. So when we're talking about discipline, we're talking about the training of your child through correction. When your child misbehaves, when they break the law, when they disobey God's law or they disobey the rules of your household, there is discipline, which is what you use to correct their misbehavior. Now, I want to I want to show you guys um, the place that you go when you're reading these passages in the New Testament to help you understand the how-to of it all is the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is wisdom written from a father to a son. So you fathers want to learn what it, what, what it means to be a wise father in regards to the way you raise your sons. Read the book of Proverbs, okay? I want, to, I want to read you some of the Proverbs with regards to wisdom because you need to hear and understand this. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. 
Now, I want you to get the picture that's being drawn there in Proverbs. Discipline your son while there's hope. This is discipline your child while they're young. Because if you don't discipline them while they're young, as they get older, discipline becomes more and more difficult to accomplish. Discipline your children while they're young. He says, discipline them while there's hope. And notice what the opposite of discipline here is. Don't desire his death. If you don't discipline your children, that's the same thing as desiring their death. You are gonna, if you don't discipline your children, you're going to raise up a child that is rebellious against authority, that wants to live life however they want to live life, and that kind of a life, scripturally, brings about death. Right? These are the people that you see out throwing bricks through windows and setting buildings on fire and so forth. What happened? They weren't raised with discipline. Now, I did see one. There was a video. Uh, uh, praise God for this mom. There was a video of this mom who found out her son was out in riot gear in Antifa. There's a video of him, her going out and grabbing her son by the ear and dragging him back in. Praise God for that mom. We need more moms like that in the world today. Right? Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now, I want you to notice the correlation here between discipline and the rod. The Bible correlates these two things. When you have little children, discipline means the rod. And the rod here is not spiritualized. It's a physical rod. Discipline and spanking when your children are little go hand in hand with one another biblically. Okay? I don't want to spank my kids. Stop trying to be nicer than Jesus to your children. Okay? The Bible says, in particular, when your children are little, when they're rebellious, their hearts need to be disciplined. The Bible teaches that there is a string that connects between the rear end and the heart. And if you want to instruct the heart of the child when they're little, when they're in rebellion and their heart needs correction, there's a correlation between the backside and the heart. And when you discipline the backside, it helps to correct the heart. Right? This is what the Bible teaches. And he says here, He who withholds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. My experience has been that most of the parents that don't want to spank their children, it's actually not their child that is the issue. It is themselves that's the issue. They want their children to like them. If you want your children to like you, you are going to fail miserably as a Christian parent. Sometimes your children are not going to like you. And you should desire their well-being more than you desire their affection. Right? And they're going to hate you at times, no matter what you do. But I'll tell you this. It's been my experience as a parent, as, as a parent and as a pastor that the parents that do not discipline their children in a loving, gracious manner, I'll talk about in a minute, are the ones whose children hate them the most when they get older. He says here, he who withholds the rod hates his son. Well, I don't feel like I'm hating him. No, but you are hating him because you're setting him up for failure by not disciplining him when he's young. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. That means you set a standard and whenever that standard's violated, not when it's convenient for you, not just when it bothers you, not just when it offends you, but there's a standard in place. And when that child violates that standard, there's discipline and there's discipline every time. That's what diligent discipline means. That, that's love. Love and discipline are correlated hand in hand for Christian parents in the Bible. Here's the third one, Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Your children are fools. They're in rebellion against you. They're in rebellion against God. Now, they're cute, and they're not always foolish, but there's foolishness bound up in the heart of the child. You say, oh, no, not my child. Well, listen, stop trying to be nicer than Jesus, and also stop trying to be smarter than God. God says that there's foolishness that's wrapped up in the heart of a child. And what is it that drives the foolishness out of that child? The rod of correction. The rod of discipline. Here's another one. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you discipline your child properly and you swat them on the backside when they misbehave, it's not going to kill them. In fact, you're going to be giving, it's life-giving. You're going to give them life. 
Proverbs 13.1, a wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Children, you have a role in this as well. You have a role in this as well. When you are corrected, when you do something wrong and you're corrected, you either can harden your heart against that correction, or you can soften your heart and receive that correction. And that's not just true of children either, by the way. That's true of everybody. If you're off course and you need to be corrected and you get corrected, you can respond in one of two ways. You can harden your heart and rebel against the correction that God has placed for you, or you can soften your heart and you can receive that correction and walk in repentance and life. So children, you have a role to play in this as well. When your parents instruct you through discipline because you're misbehaving and you need corrected, in our house we teach our children, we receive the correction and discipline of the Lord. Right? Now let me read you one more passage on this before I move on. I know I'm getting short on time here. Hebrews 12, 5-11. This one's a little bit longer, but I want you to see this tie in here. Um, and you have forgotten the export, exhortation, which is addressed to you as sons. My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faith when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and he flogs every son who, uh, who he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, when you are, then you are an illegitimate child and not sons. Furthermore, we had early, uh, we had early fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we, not, uh, shall we not much rather be subjected to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our benefit, so that we may share in his holiness. And all discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful, and, but sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's so much in this passage. I don't have time to execute the whole thing. I just want to point out three things to you really quickly. God the Father disciplines His children. God the Father disciplines His children. And all fatherhood is to follow after the pattern of God the Father. And the author of Hebrews here appeals to that fatherly discipline. And notice what he says, though, by way of observation, that there's a natural tie-in. He says, our fathers disciplined us when we were young. And what happened as a result of that discipline? We respected them for it. And it did us good. Right? So God the Father disciplines his children. And what does he say of children that are not disciplined? He says they are as, as illegitimate children. Don't treat your children as though they're illegitimate to you by not providing them the discipline that a father ought to provide to his children. Fathers must discipline their children. Mothers must discipline their children too. But fathers in particular must discipline their children. Because here, here's what I've learned. In a household where the children do not have a proper respect and fear for their father, not a fear that they fear they're going to be abused by him. There should be love and joy. I talked about that last week. But they should also know if they step out of line that daddy's going to be there to put him back in line. And where that doesn't exist, there's a problem with rebellion. Because mom can provide discipline and correction, but it's dad that reinforces mom. How many of y'all got that talk when you were kids? Wait till your father gets home. And you knew. That's not going to be good. It's not going to be good when dad gets home. Right? Discipline your children. Now, you must discipline your children. When they break God's law or violate the rules of your household, which should be based upon God's law, you must discipline your children. And your children should know what the rules of the household are. One of the mistakes parents make that do discipline their children, one of the mistakes they make is they only discipline their children when their children are an inconvenience to them. This is not the way the Bible teaches that we should discipline. The Bible teaches that we should discipline our children according to God's law. There should be a standard set in place, and the child should be disciplined when they violate the standard. Right? They should be disciplined when they violate the standard. I'm not going to get through all this this week. Okay. How to use the rod of correction. I want to, I'm taking my time going through this, though, because this is stuff that doesn't get discussed much. How to use the rod of correction. 
How do we use the rod? How many guys wish that there was some kind of training in your life, you older parents? Somebody would have told you, here's how you spank your kids. How many guys would have benefited from something like that? Some of you are like, oh, I got it pretty, pretty cool. I got it figured out pretty quick. You know. How should you use the rod when you discipline your children? I know we have parents that have younger children here, so let me just run through this really quick. This is some wisdom that I want to share with you. How do you use the rod of correction? Number one, never use the rod in anger or as a means of personal retribution. You do not use spanking to get back at your children when they offend you. That's not what spanking is for. You will harden the heart of your children against you if you use spanking to get back at them when they offend you. That's not what spanking is for. Okay? Never use the rod for physical, or never use the rod for personal retribution. Do not spank in anger. Discipline is instruction and growth for your child. It's for their well-being. It's not a means of getting back at your children for sinning against you. That's number one. Number two, instruct the child regarding what they've done wrong. Anytime you spank your child, you need to teach them what they've done wrong. Remind them that they have a duty to obey you and your duty to discipline them comes from the Lord. When your child does something wrong, this is a teaching moment. If you're spanking your child and you're not teaching them anything, they may get the connection, I did something stupid and I got pain, but it's better if you teach them. Here's what you did wrong. This is the, this is the law. You broke the law. This is why you're being disciplined. Instruct your child regarding what they did wrong. Now, this is very important. Have your child bend over and administer the spanking and make it smart. Notice I said, have your child bend over. You want to get CPS called on you? Spank your child in all sorts of awkward positions as they're trying to get away from you. They end up with bruises on their legs and their back and everything else. Don't spank your children that way. Make them obey you. You sit down. You bend over my knee right now or it's going to be worse. You administer corporal punishment. You give the spanking enough to make it smart so it stings, but you're not actually trying to harm the child. Remember that. You're not trying to bring harm to the child. You're trying to teach them the correlation between foolishness and pain. When you behave dumb, there are consequences. When you do stupid things, it hurts, right? So you bend them over your knee and you administer the correction. This is why I'm going to end up getting arrested by the FBI. Have your children bend over, spank them hard enough to make it smart. Then you sit the child on your lap and you remind them of your love for them. You remind them of the forgiveness that they have in Christ. And then you move on. You move on and you don't bring up the offense again after that. Now, if you think that there's a better way for you to discipline your child than that, I'm going to tell you this, you're wrong. If you think running around the house yelling and screaming at your children at the top of your lungs is, is better than whacking them on the backside when they misbehave, you're wrong. If you think giving your children the silent treatment when they misbehave rather than giving them a butt whooping, you're wrong. All of those things are emotional manipulation. You cannot mo emotionally manipulate your child into behaving for you. You will create a codependent, unhealthy relationship if you do that. You put that child over your knee and you give them a butt whooping and then you love them and you let them know you, lo you love them and you teach them and then you move on as though it didn't happen. Because that's what God does when you misbehave. Do you re receive discipline and instruction from the Lord? Yes. But God's mercies are new every morning. You see? You don't allow bitterness to build up. You discipline your children and then you move on. Now, you got little kids. This varies with age. You got little itty bitty kids. Sometimes you can't go through all of that. When your child is old enough to intentionally, willfully disobey you, that's when they're old enough to receive a butt whooping. Usually about a year and a half old. And by the time your child's two years old, you should be well into giving them spankings when they disobey you. They need it when they're two. Okay. You, when it's a two-year-old, you take the child, you put him over your leg, you swat him on the butt. Mommy said no. And you hug him and you sit him down and let him go off and go playing again. Right? 
You must discipline your children because these are the things, this instructs their heart that when you behave foolishly, there are consequences. The reason there are so many adults out there in the world today living their life like there's no consequences is because their parents didn't teach them that there were consequences when they were young. You parents that have young children, listen to me. Discipline your children. And you grandparents... You, you have a propensity to be soft when it comes to your grandkids. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you interfere between your parents and your children and their kids when they are properly being disciplined by their parents. Don't you interfere. I'm here to, I want to spoil. I'm going to spoil my grandkids. You know what the word spoiled means, right? You know what spoiled means? Spoiled means you ruin the child. And that is exactly what you'll do if you interfere when their parents are disciplining them. Instead, you should reinforce the discipline of your children to their children. Right? One of the tools of raising your children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord, one of the tools of raising your children in the Lord is discipline. This is when they do something bad, discipline is correction. They need to be corrected. Now, the next one is instruction, but I'm out of time. So I don't know how I'm going to break this up. I'm not going to keep going on and on and keep you guys here all day, though. So here's what we'll do. We'll just do it John MacArthur style. Next week, we'll pick it back up with instruction. So this week, discipline. You have to raise your children. And one of the means that God has given you, one of the tools that God has given you to raise your children is discipline. When they misbehave, you must correct them. The next one is instruction, and that's telling them what they should do. And we'll pick up with that. We'll pick up with that next week. But here's what I want to encourage you. I got, I'm going to close it out with this thing. I have an encouragement for parents. I have an encouragement for children, and I have an encouragement for grandparents. Okay? Here's my encouragement for parents. Love your children by using loving discipline to correct them when they misbehave. And then extend grace to them. And move on with your day. Okay? This is a very important aspect of parenting that's often forgotten. Apply regular discipline to your children. And the Bible says that you're loving your children when you do that. Okay? And you must raise your children by correcting them when they misbehave. That's number one. Grandparents, reinforce the discipline of your children to their children. Reinforce the discipline of your children to their children. Oh, she's my baby doesn't misbehave. She's an angel. There's horns behind there. Don't pretend like you don't see it when your children misbehave, your grandchildren misbehave. They must be disciplined, and you must reinforce that discipline. And where there is multi-generational reinforcement of that discipline, that honors God. Okay? You children, look up here, children. Up here. Okay, good. I got everybody's attention. When you need to be corrected because you've misbehaved, you need to willingly in your heart receive the correction of your parents. And you need to mend your ways. Stop doing what you were doing and do that which is right. God has given your parents to you as a gift to keep you on the path of righteousness. So you must obey your parents. And when you disobey, you will receive correction. Now, this is the final thing. Don't abuse your children. Don't abuse your children. You discipline in self-control, not out of anger, not out of personal retribution, but as a means of correction, and you don't abuse your children. You know what I, was, what I mean when I say abuse? Abuse is, you, parents abuse their children when they use corporal punishment as a means of getting back at their children. Don't abuse your children. If you abuse your children, you're sinning against God. The scripture says it would be better for a millstone to be hung around the neck and you'd be thrown in the ocean than for you to abuse that little child. God has placed them under your authority. You use that authority rightly. You don't seek to bring physical harm to your child when you discipline them. You don't seem to bring damage to them when you discipline them. Discipline is an act of love, and it's an act of correction. It is not an act of personal retribution. God will judge you if you do that on the day of judgment. If you're here this morning and you do that, 
You need to repent, and if you need some help, you need to get some help. But you do not abuse your children. This is not, and I'm not giving you, I'm not here today to give you an okay to abuse your children. That's not what this is about. But you must discipline them. Now, who's sufficient for these things? Raising your children, directing their interests, directing their affections, all these other things. Disciplining them properly, knowing when to correct them and when not to correct them and so forth. Who's sufficient for these things? Listen to me, beloved brothers and sisters. This is a very practical sermon this morning, but I want you to understand this. You only can do these things with regard to your children by the aid of the Holy Spirit. You want your children to receive your instruction? You want them to receive your correction? Right? You need to be walking in repentance yourself. You need to be pouring yourself out before the throne of God's grace. You need to be receiving the discipline of the Lord on yourself when you are in rebellion against God. And that teaches you patience and grace toward your children. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Spend your time in prayer. Spend your time in the Word. Discipline your children when they need to be disciplined. But you receive the discipline of the Lord on you as well. And that will help you when it comes to disciplining your children. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, there's so much in this text. I could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. I pray, Lord, for your favor on the the congregation here today. Raising children is no easy task. None of us, in our own strength and in our own wisdom, are sufficient for these things. But I pray, God, that you would give these brothers and sisters wisdom this morning. I pray that you would help them to faithfully disciple and raise up their children. And I pray that you would help them to correct their children when their children go off the path. I pray that you would help them to do it in love as a means of discipleship and in grace and mercy. But I pray that you would help them to do it for the good of their children for the good of their family, for the good of our church, and for the good of our nation. So Lord, help us to be faithful in these things. In Jesus' name.